Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. as we gather together around God's holy word and and during this non-festival half of the church year which is the Sundays after Pentecost the emphasis is always on the life of the Christian part of our lives as Christian is also to be concerned about those that fall away Uh, not just to the unbeliever as we witness the holy name of Christ to them but also to those that have fallen into sin and and are falling away from God and and are not repenting of our sins. We're going to hear what Jesus has to say when it comes to loving them and one another. Our first reading for this 15th Sunday after Pentecost is found recorded in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33, beginning at the seventh verse. But I have appointed you, son of man, to be a watchman for the house of Israel. So whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you are to warn them from me. When I say to a wicked man, wicked man, you (coughs) shall surely die. If you do not speak to warn the wicked man against his way, that wicked man will die because of his guilt. But I will also hold you responsible for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he will die because of his guilt, but you will have saved your life. So you, son of man, say the following to the house of Israel. This is what you people are saying. Certainly our rebellion and our sins weigh us down, and because of them we are rotting away. How can we live? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from their way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? The word of the Lord. Our second reading is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 2, beginning at the 11th verse. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he was clearly wrong. For before some people came from James, he ate with the Gentiles. But when those people came, he drew back and separated himself, because he feared those from the circumcision group. And the rest of the Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not acting according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, in front of all of them, if you, a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live like the Jews? We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. We know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also believe in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. The word of the Lord. Our gospel for 
for this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, beginning at the 15th verse. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have regained your brother. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as an unbeliever or a tax collector. Amen, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen, I tell you again, if two of you on earth agree to ask for anything, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. In fact, where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am among them. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, beginning at the 15th verse. I open with these words from our text. Jesus said, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his sin just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have regained your brother. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Picture yourself on a ship, maybe like a cruise, and you're together with family and friends and, and really having a wonderful and joyous time. But then one of the family members somehow falls overboard and is in the depths of the water. What do you do? Do you start screaming and hollering and maybe say some even inappropriate language? Is that really going to help get the person back into the boat? But certainly, the idea that you do nothing is not on the table. You're going to do something. You're going to need to figure it out and do something very quickly because your loved one is drowning in the water. Now let's change the, the subject here and, and think along the lines of a spiritual brother and sister in the faith. Yes, you and I are brothers and sisters because we have been united together in Christ Jesus, the very Savior who took on human flesh and lived that perfect life, the very Savior who gave his life on the cross for the sins of the world, the very Savior who rose from the dead, the very Savior who ascended back into heaven with the promise that he is going to prepare a place for us and, and will come back one day to take us to be with him forever. The very Lord who will come on the very last day is the very Lord who unites us together as one. We are, spiritually speaking, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family. We're part of God's family. And because of this, what happens when someone is drowning in their sins? Do we immediately start, start talking about it or, or start hooting and hollering? Do you think screaming is going to bring people back? Or maybe even if we say some inappropriate language, maybe that'll take care of the matter? And of course, doing nothing is not even an option. So what do we do? Do we need to figure it out? The good news is no. 
the Lord God, the Lord Jesus himself, in speaking to his disciples, and we are his disciples today. He lets them know the steps that are to be taken. He makes it very easy for us. There's nothing to figure out. Simply believe and obey and carry out his holy commands. But keep in mind that even though he spelled it so easily out for us, it doesn't mean what he asked us to do is easy at all. It requires love, and some describe it as it requires tough love. So we consider these beautiful words before us in Matthew chapter 18. But to understand these words, we really have to look at the greater context, especially the words before this section. Jesus spoke before all of this about the parable of the lost sheep. In fact, he put it this way. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go looking for the one that wanders away? And if he finds it, amen, I tell you, he rejoices more over the one sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not wander away. In the same way, your Father in heaven does not want even one of these little ones to perish. As soon as we hear these words, we understand how we are to understand now the words to come. In fact, it really helps us to interpret it, especially when Jesus continues to say, if your brother sins against you, go and show me his fault just between the two of you. The brother, obviously, is not the biological brother. He's talking about a fellow sheep. He's talking about a fellow Christian. He's talking about a fellow believer in Christ who has now fallen away because of his sins. He's not repenting of his sins. His sins is, is robbing his relationship with the Lord. It could cost him heaven. He could end up in hell. He is drowning, and quite honestly, drowning to death, eternally even. This spiritual brother is to be reached out to. In fact, the sin that is described, it says here, the sins against you. Now, it could be that he committed a sin personally against you, but it can also be understood in the light of it's a sin you're aware of because any sin against God, you could say, is a sin against each and every one of us because that's not God's holy will. So we're not talking about sins that we think people are committing. We're not talking about sins of what people are feeling in their hearts because we can't read each other's hearts. Only God can do that. We're talking about sins that we are aware of, sins that are clearly public to us. And if a brother sins against you, the Lord makes it very clear, doing nothing is not an option. Instead, Go and show him his sin just between the two of you. Literally, do it alone. We're not to gossip about it. We're not to go and sink the pastor who's supposed to be the moral police in the church. We are to go to him and reach out to that lost brother, showing him his sins. Do we show him his sins because we're better than he is? Do we show him his sins because we can say, ha ha, look at what you have done. So we can boast and break and, and build our own selves up? No. We go and show him his sins 
so that he will repent of his sins and be restored. When he repents of his sins, we forgive him. And when we forgive, we forget. We do not hold his sins against him. We do not keep bringing it up. We let him know that Jesus paid for those sins too, since he paid for the sins of the world. But what happens if he doesn't repent? Are we done? Do we quit? Do we go home? At least we tried. I'm now off the hook. No, we continually go over and over again, encouraging and loving with the hope and prayer that that lost brother will repent of his sins and come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. But if it gets to a point where, besides not repenting, he does not listen and he refuses to listen, once again, doing nothing is not an option. Jesus tells us to take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So as the one or two other witnesses also are included, it is always with the hope and prayer that the person will see, well, wait a minute, isn't just one person seeing my sin, but it is now a couple more seeing it, making them aware that maybe this is really a sin. And that they repent of their sins. Therefore, it doesn't turn into your word against mine. And of course, if the person repents of their sins, we forgive them. And, and when God says we forgive, we forget. We do not hold their sins against them. Jesus Christ paid for the sins of the world. And we assure them of that. And if they do not repent of their sins, we continually, the two or three, all together continually reach out to that lost brother, always with the hope and prayer that he comes back to the Lord and is found. But what happens if he doesn't listen to the two or three? Then Jesus said, tell it to the church. The church is every man, woman, and child. This is what's called church discipline. And don't take the word discipline in a negative sense. The word discipline has within it, in its word, the word disciple. This church discipling includes every man, woman, and child reaching out to this precious soul continually, inviting him to repent of his sins. And when he repents of his sins, you forgive him. And when we forgive, we also forget. We do not hold his sins against him. For Jesus Christ paid for the sins of the world. And how often does the church continually reach out? Until the person hardens his heart and will not listen. And if he does not listen, then Jesus says this. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as an unbeliever or a tax collector. This is what's called excommunication. Excommunication, when carried out, is basically telling that person that because of your impenitence, which is really unbelief. 
because of the hardening of your heart, we cannot assure you that your sins are forgiven. If the person repents of their sins, we forgive them. And of course, we forgive, we forget, we do not hold their sins against them. We let them know that Jesus paid for the sins of the world. But as long as they continue in their impenitence, they have fallen away from the Lord. Heaven will not be their home. This is serious, what Jesus is saying. And Jesus wants us to understand that when these steps are taken, especially excommunication, that we understand that we carry out these steps in keeping with his holy will and always out of love for the one who is lost. But he also makes it very clear that when we carry out these steps, they're as valid as if God himself would be announcing it. Three different ways Jesus bears out that truth and drives this point home. First of all, he says, Amen, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. When the church forgives the sins, they are forgiven, Jesus tells them. When the church has to say you are not forgiven because of your impenitence, that person is not forgiven. This isn't just some power we have. The power belongs to Christ, but it is a right that the Lord has given the church. We call this the ministry of the keys to lock and unlock heaven. And these keys must never be abused. They must never be misused. In fact, he goes on to say, Amen, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree to ask for anything, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Once again, carrying out even the step of excommunication is as valid as if God himself would be announcing it because the Lord is hearing our prayers. And besides that, in fact, where two or three gather together in my name, there I am with them among them, literally in the middle of them. We don't have a Savior who's just on the outside looking in. We have a Savior who is among us. Therefore, we must never use excommunication as simply a way to kick people out and get rid of them. That is sinful and shameful and misusing what the Lord tells us here. This, these, all these words are dealing with reaching out to the lost sheep, not getting rid of him and butchering him and stomping on him because we can't stand him. In fact, excommunication, my friends, is really the strongest preaching of God's law with the hope and prayer that the person will repent of their sins, come to the knowledge of the truth, and to know that Jesus Christ paid for the sins of the world. So the question that is often asked is, does this work? Otherwise, if it doesn't work, it would be a waste of time. Why follow it? Why obey it? It's not for us to, to decide whether it works or not. For Jesus commanded it. He told us to go. And therefore, every one of these steps are taken always out of love for the Lord and out of love for that lost sheep and the soul of that precious soul. But I will tell you this, that in my 30-some years of ministry, 
I will say the saddest times of my ministry is when I and my church had to excommunicate somebody because of their refusal to repent of their sins and the hardening of their heart. Those will always be the saddest times in my ministry. But if you ask me what is the most wonderful thought that and blessing that you've ever witnessed in your ministry, I will say it without hesitation. The day when a gentleman who had been excommunicated by the previous pastor came before me and repented of his sins. I took him through a Bible review along with his son. And on the day that his son was confirmed as a member of the church, a communicant member of the church, that is, his father was right next to him, partaking of the Lord's Supper, receiving the very body and blood of the Lord together with the bread and wine, and all for the forgiveness of sins. That will always be the joyous thought, the joyous memory that I can ever have to know that Satan didn't take that soul. And Jesus did pay for the sins of the world. Go. That's Christ's command. The same word is used in Matthew 28 when he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So he says, Go. And out of love for the Lord who loved you first, Love that lost soul. Do not ignore them. Reach out to them by showing them their sins and reminding them who their Savior truly is. Because the honest truth is, doing nothing is not an option. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.